Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hello and welcome to the Yahoo Sports Fantasy Podcast. I am Liz Loza and I am joined, or should I say reunited, with Matt Harmon and Scott Pianowski. Gents, it's so good to be back together again on Sunday night. It feels good to not have to intro the show. This is a much better role for me. Thank you for coming back, Liz. Oh, you're welcome, Matt. I mean, I was busy being a star, oh, yeah, as you, you noted, were. 15 times in last Sunday's episode. <laughs> can you? Can I get your autograph or is it weird because we work together. I mean, are you pretending like you haven't asked for it on your first day? Come on, man. Don't pull up my spot right here on the podcast. Scott, how are you? How's life I'm in uh, Motor City? I'm great. Yeah. We're all growing my Patricia beards and working on our posture and, you know, maybe we'll get the defense <laughs> squared away by Christmas. Very nice. It's a great time. Great time in Detroit. Well, thank you for trusting in carry on Johnson. Many fantasy owners appreciated it. Yeah. Well, nice to see at least I got some garbage time stats. Nice to see that the back door was open there, but, um, Matt Patricia, he is a pencil. You guys did a great job with the Patricia cut-ups on, on Halloween. I mean, he is writing in pencil, and it's a it's an ink league. So, you know, it's a tattoo league. It's Ooh. an ink league, and he's got that pencil tucked behind his ear. I think he could be – I don't. you don't see this a lot in the NFL. I think Matt Patricia could be a one-and-done coach. I think that's in play. I would, mm. agree, I would agree with you if the GM wasn't also a Patriots guy. I feel like mm-hmm. because that's there that that might give him some security. But yeah, real not not a pleasant time. Up oh, I like how we're having so many hot takes early spinning it forward. It's almost like, you know, the next segment is tomorrow's headlines today. <laughs> so we're in the future like a now. car crash. <laughs> tomorrow's train wreck today. Okay. Do I have to start? Speaking of train wreck, I have to start, right? I yeah. teed you up with this uh, line. Let's talk some NFC North football, Matt. All right. Well, my headline is once again about the Bears, and I thought it was really exciting to see. How how really exciting? Like scale of one to ten, how exciting? The Bears are who we thought they were. <laughs> yes, exactly. They are who I thought they would be, uh, and I thought this was going to be a really good offense coming into the year and I was definitely excited about the receiver duo of Allen Robinson very always excited about Allen Robinson <laughs> but Anthony Miller to me is a Doug Baldwin type player uh, that was my comp for him coming into into the NFL based on his reception perception data and I thought it was great to see this unit of this duo of guys go over 100 yards together today Robinson it was great to see that you know, instead of trying to push him through a groin injury, they are like, well, you know, we're playing the Jets. We're playing the Bills. They didn't take a single snap 
while trailing in either of those two games. I don't think they did either today. So they've really controlled their last three games. I thought it was great to see that duo get out there. And, and to me, Mitchell Trubisky may or may not still be a flawed quarterback. I think, Liz, you'd probably say that he is. I know you're not as excited about Trubisky as I am, but... I think he's making a progress as we're going as a guy who didn't have a long starting resume in college and has only started a handful of games in the NFL and especially last year on a broken offense. I really like what I'm seeing out of this Bears offense. And it was great to see this receiver duo get out there today because hot take, I think it could be one of the best in the league by this time next year. And you didn't mention my favorite part of this offense, which is Matt Nagy, the head coach. Yes. And this is a league where offense is getting all the benefit of the rule changes and the way the game is played. And you better have a modern offensive designer and the, and the bears have, you know, obviously they have two hires. They made the head coach and the coordinator with the Oregon background. And the bears are very good at, I, I don't have this stat collected myself. I know some websites actually track this type of data, but they have wide open guys. Every game, they scheme easy chunk plays and coming from somebody who's a Patriots fan and watch, watches them try to have 16 play drives where they gain four yards and seven yards and eight yards and two yards, it's nice to see a guy wide open down the field for 20 yards or 25 yards or 30 yards. And it's, you know, some, sometimes it's Miller. Sometimes it's Cohen. Today, Robinson was wide open. Matt Nagy is looking like a home run hire at a time when you better get your coaching hires correct. In terms of Miller, I think the thing I was most relieved by was that his volume was not affected by Allen Robinson's return. He's had at least six targets over his last four games. This was his third touchdown over his last five. Coming out of the team's week five bye, they have clearly made, and Nagy, I love your point about him, Scott has made Anthony Miller a focal point this, I also agree with your comp. Doug Baldwin is a kid, as trite as it sounds, that plays very tough. He, I think, in 2019 is going to have an even larger role. He was third in team targets today behind Robinson and Tariq Cohen. So certainly someone to keep on your radars and rostered in just 13% of Yahoo League. What about Jordan Howard owners, though? What do we tell them? They have a game script perfect for him. Yeah. He finishes with mm. 11 carries for 21 yards. You know he's not a big factor in the passing game. Is he just the, the leftover guy or he's going to have one random game a month? I mean, what do we tell Howard people? I think with this Bears offense, like it's a week-by-week -week situation. I know that's kind of frustrating for fantasy owners, but we've seen this go throughout the throughout the year where sometimes Cohen's the focal point of the game plan. Sometimes Trey Burton's the focal point of the game plan. Taylor Gabriel had a little spell for a while there where he looked like he was the well, focal Miller's point. been the most consistent, yeah. which is why I brought up his target total. For sure. I'm just afraid. I'm just afraid that we'll never be able to project Howard before he has the game. Where he, look at today. They were seven point favorites. They yep, led the yep. whole way. The Lions are horrendous against the run. Unfortunately for Howard, they're also horrendous against the pass. They didn't have Darius Slay today. They're they're far and away their best cover guy. So maybe just Chicago decided, okay, it's, we'll pass today. And then Howard did get 11 carries. And maybe the idea is he's going to do better with what he did get. And the fact is he didn't. They went a different direction. I'm just afraid that Howard, who, of course, look, he's a running back two, maybe even a running back three now. I get it. But I'm just afraid that even if he has two or three games to give us, we won't be able to call them beforehand, and therefore he won't be startable. And he has two games of 24 and 22 carries, and in every other contest, it's been 15 or fewer. I mean, yeah, so I, I think that this is just the way he is. Well, next week he's got Minnesota, so that is not a Fun. favorable yeah. matchup. But then he's got Detroit again, which in theory, as you noted, should have been and should be a favorable matchup. Um, Scott, you've got a headline of the day. What uh, about a little uh, little organization down in Tampa Bay? Yeah, the Buccaneers, you know, all but one of their games had gone over the total 
until today. And then the the Redskins and the the Buccaneers played one of the few low scoring games that we see in 2018. And somehow Matt um, Ryan Fitzpatrick threw for 406 yards and they never got in the end zone. I think it's the second most passing yards in the modern football era without a touchdown. Joe Montana had a 441 yard game. So here's what we're going to find out this week. It, like the Buccaneers, we can't give them truth serum and make us tell us the truth. Okay. If they have an investment in Jameis Winston, I think he plays next week. If they've decided we're done with this guy, we don't want him to play, he might get hurt, the contract would vest, then he won't play. And you might say, well, who cares? I mean, this, these guys just scored three points. Well, this is still, I think, a top five fantasy offense, all sorts of weapons. I mean, Fitzpatrick, even on a bad day, did throw for 406. And if Winston gets to play, he still gets the benefit of Mike Evans and Deshaun Jackson. And, you know, O.J. Howard was quiet today, but he's a really good player. Chris Godwin had been quiet for a while. He went over 100 yards today. Even Jacquez Rogers made some splash plays. Mm. Tampa Bay defense isn't good. I don't care if the Redskins only scored 16 points. It's still one of the worst pass defenses. And there's some really good games on the schedule. That Saints game, remember the first game of the season was high scoring. That should be high scoring. They get the Giants, the Niners, the Panthers the next few weeks. So my advice would be, especially in two quarterback super flex or DFS, I still want the Tampa Bay quarterback. I don't know who it is. If you're holding on to Winston, hoping he's going to play again, if he doesn't start this week, I think that's the team's way of saying, look, we don't want him to get on the field. He's going to get vested. If he gets hurt, we're just washing our hands of the guy. We're not going to say it in public. So I think this week's starter will be the starter for the rest of the season. It should be noted, too, that Dirk Cutter said after the game that he mm-hmm. took back the play calling duties in this game. Oh, my, my question that was a was, mistake. Yeah, my why? question was why. Yeah. But not only why would like why would you do that? Why would, would you, you say that? Yeah. <laughs> why would you say that today of all days? But yeah, I mean, Todd Munkin seemed like he might be the next in line of these great offensive designers that are scheming things open for players. And then for Dirk Cutter, I mean, he's I think he's at this point probably just trying to throw whatever at the wall to see what sticks and that leads into the quarterback situation too well this is also a situation where a coach is making decisions because he feels like he won't have a job and so he's Mm -hmm. making decisions scared and that means it's harder for us to project because it does become shaded with some sort of psychology right this isn't rational coaching that we can project here so even the fact that he did take the play calling duties away from monkin throws everything off i would imagine scott that you know, he would keep Fitzmagic under center if for no other reason than to not further lose the locker room. Yeah, you know, this is like flash dance where they're, you know, they get to the point where they're dancing for their life. But as our friend Doug Farrar used to be a Yahoo colleague uh, in his book, it's called The Genius of Desperation. Maybe there's some genius in Tampa Bay that will be born out of this desperation. I still think maybe top five is over their skis and they were just oh, outperforming and the game scripts had really fallen favorably. I still think it's a quarterback one situation if somebody can solidify this job i really want to see whoever gets to start next week to play well so we can just kind of sit back and relax Mm -hmm. and enjoy the ride for what it is scott do you like to cook i do i really like to eat (laughs) matt i know that you like to cook Uh, i love to cook I love to eat. Yeah, I'm a big fan. Based on that looks this, like a cooker. He looks like a chef. Yeah. Like one well, of those, thank you. you I'll know. take that. You make charcuterie plates and stuff? No, no. Like you go in the kitchen and make lamb chops and potatoes. Oh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know about I don't know about lamb chops and potatoes. <laughs> I don't but, know. I don't uh, eat lamb chops or potatoes, but it sounds <laughs> like is, kind lamb of food is that you'd cook. one of the most difficult meats to cook because it's just not very fatty or flavorful. Okay, signature dish. I want everybody to name a signature dish. I don't care if it's off script. No, um, I mean, obviously, it's hard to go wrong with Brussels sprouts, right? For me, that, uh, like signature dish that you like to eat or cook. Cook, cook. I'd say. Oh, I will say sweet potatoes. I love to cook a good sweet potato. Um, Mac and cheese. I know you're gonna laugh. 
I make great mac and cheese. No, like from a box or no, or fancy? No, no. He's God, homemade no. from a box. Oh, I'm sorry. From that's such a crazy thought. Um, <laughs> Anything taco tacos related is is fun to because you can do a lot of different things with it. Here, the only thing I know how to cook is chili. That is the only oh, thing well. I know how to cook. But do you know what all of this conversation is Serves proving to me? It What's is that? proving to me that a man's place is certainly in the kitchen as further proven oh. by Freddie Kitchens <laughs> because he has this Browns backfield cooking. Nice work. I could not resist it. Oh, my goodness. Duke Johnson, we talked about last week. He has caught literally every ball thrown his way. Literally. And I used it right. Not figuratively. Literally. He <laughs> has converted 13 of 13 looks over his past two weeks. He's managed to score in back-to-back weeks. Nick Chubb is thick with points. I cannot stop. I won't stop. Over 200 yards today. They're on by in week 11. And and then down the stretch, they have two of the softest run defenses three times over their next five games because they play Cincinnati twice. Yeah, look, Nick Chubb looks like, I mean, the term is so nebulous is what this means, but he looks like he might be a potential league winner. Uh, he's, like you said, today was a big one for him. I said he was thick with points is what I said. Yeah, you said he was thick with points. That's correct. He, did. Uh, he scores two touchdowns, one by the air, one by the ground. I, I think it's exciting to see this. Like with Duke Johnson specifically, I was suspicious at what if this was just a coincidence? You know, we see Hugh Jackson gets canned, Todd Haley gets canned, and, and then Duke Johnson has this big game. And what if it was just a coincidence? Of course, they're going against the Falcons, who, as you astutely noted, <laughs> no one knows this. No one knows this. No one tells you this, that the Falcons have allowed the most catches to running backs over the last four and years. And the third most yards crazy, via the air crazy to the running that, back position. Also, did you know that, that uh, Fitzpatrick went to Harvard? Yeah, Jimmy Graham used to play basketball. Um, yeah, so anyways, I, I, I do think this, this offense with the Browns trending up, Baker Mayfield played really well today. Um, and... Yeah, it's nice to see Hugh Jackson out of the picture. I know he said that they never got to run the Hugh Jackson offense because of the players he had in Cleveland. Well, I <laughs> guess we'll we'll never know what we could have had. Scott, when well, I Julie, did... Julian Edelman used to be a quarterback. I'll throw that in there. Ooh, and good I point. think Chris Hogan played lacrosse. Yes. And uh, this Kitchens guy, before he was the offense coordinator, was the running backs coach. So if anybody should know the talent and the personnel on this roster, it's him. And one so thing is I love Hugh about Jackson, the Browns, though, for the record. <laughs> so is Hugh, Hugh Jackson. Jackson doesn't count. I refu- I refu- look, he's probably a hell of a guy. And, you know, look, if he wants to appear on this podcast, I, I would throw out the invite. I would even sit out that week. So yeah, I'd take, you a take my spot Hugh too. Jackson could talk to us, but he shouldn't <laughs> be coaching a football team. Here's another thing I love about the schedule. The Baltimore game, the at Baltimore game, week 17. Hands off, baby. Don't have to worry about it. The yep. schedule is very friendly. Bengals looked like a beaten team today. I know the Saints had a lot to do with that, but um, you'll have to hold the Browns. Obviously, Chubb, you're going to hold on to with two hands because he's a running back one now. But I think Duke Johnson, as long as you have a PPR tilt in your league, he's somebody you would hold through the bye as well. Normally, you don't say that about Browns, but now, you know, those guys you're going to hold probably in Joku, although I feel like there's a little meat on the bone that hasn't been taken off yet. But I, I think he is potential two quarterback league. You would hold Baker, probably not in a one quarterback league, but I'm just excited to see the Browns relevant because they were such a bad team and such a joke for a long time. Now they can just get to rebuilding. There's a lot of talent here. And whoever the next coach is, I think they could be maybe a playoff contender next year. Scott, I want to ask you one more quick question about the Browns. Matt and I talked about this on his Halftime with Harmon program, which is available on all of the social media YouTube, streaming Facebook, platforms. Twitch, Twitter. And someone asked whether or not Jarvis Landry was droppable. 
I made the point that with Duke Johnson playing a similar role and seeing a, a fair share of the targets that Anabai coming up, I would be comfortable, depending on my record, dropping him. I think Matt agreed. Scott, what say you? I hate saying it, but he's allergic to the end zone, a very wide usage tree. And they finally figured out, it seems like, that there's so much easy yardage to be taken from the throws to the backs that for some reason they wouldn't use Duke Johnson in that area. For two months, he had 20 catches. It's the guy who should be catching 80 balls. And, you know, Chubb didn't even have a catch for six weeks, you know. So they finally unlocked their backs as pass catchers, and they've widened the usage tree. And Landry isn't a touchdown guy anyway. I'm not saying he's like the first person I would recommend dropping, but here's the point. If you're on the fence of dropping Landry, I would just say drop him. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, I'll jump in on my headline. Speaking of, you know, we wanted to see Duke Johnson be involved for everyone and see this Browns offense be good. I am starting to wonder if we are finally starting to see the Tennessee Titans that I wanted to see so badly in the preseason. Mm -hmm. Matt LaFleur comes in as a, you know, Sean McVay, Kyle Shanahan coaching tree type guy. Marcus Mariota is supposed to take the next step. But, you know, it's tough when you're a quarterback and you can't feel the ball. You can't grip the ball for months. Marcus Mariota, I think, has played well for three straight games going back to their London game against the Chargers. Just ahead of the bye. Yes, especially the last two weeks. He's putting up fantasy production to go along with it. Um, Deion Lewis had 20 carries today. It sucks that Derrick Henry vultured the touchdowns, but you know, he's their clear offensive focal point. And Liz, I thought it was great that you pointed out on halftime with Harmon, which I don't know if we mentioned is available on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, and Twitch. Watch it every Sunday. Twice. Twice. Not the same thing. Is it on Tinder too? Did you mention Tinder? Yeah. Well, let's not get into that. Uh, and (laughs) so I, but you pointed out that John Smith has scored in back-to-back weeks. He was a guy that was doing nothing. Mm. But Marcus Mariota has always had a really tight connection with Delaney Walker. And I wonder now, this is another thing working in his favor, that there's a young tight end here emerging. I, I, how do we feel about the Titans going forward? Because I have shown this season that I can't get them right and I can't be objective mm. because I want them to be good so bad. But is this the time? Have we now taken into a step into a new reality in which the Titans are good offense and we're excited about their fantasy players? What makes me nervous is the last time we saw Corey Davis have a smash game. He had that 161-yard game and the winning touchdown against Philadelphia. I thought, okay, here we go. Corey Davis, you know, lock, set it and forget it the rest of the year. And then he had three very mediocre games. He did have a lot of targets the game after that at Dallas, but just six for 56 on those 10 targets. Today, he looked like a first-round pick. I was even joking before the game. I, you know, he kind of reminds me of a tight end. He doesn't move that fluidly. And then he just chewed up and, and spat out the New England secondary. And you know what they like to do. They like to take out what they think your best weapon is. Either they didn't think that was Corey Davis or they didn't know how to do it because Corey Davis was the best player, I thought, today on the field along with Mariota. Uh, Henry, as much as we don't like him, he is available in 52% of Yahoo leagues. Running back is skanky. He is getting touches. <laughs> At least there's only two backs, Is, is right? that what when running backs are? Some teams use three or more backs. They only use two. Mariota will chew up some of the ground stuff too. Can't trust I just hope it's time. I just hope Corey Davis is finally ready. I don't expect 100 yards and a touchdown every week. That's fine. But if he's going to get six to ten targets every week, which I think is probably a safe bet, if Mariota's healthy and finally comfortable in the LaFleur offense, we talked about how important it is to get the higher right on offense. It seems like they do. The Tennessee Titans are like Shrek. They're not easy to play. They're a very physical team. Their defense takes a chunk out of you. I think this offense, I believe in it. You know, I'm going to play Davis. Davis is going to have to have two stinkers in a row before he's off my team. I, he's back in right. for me. I'm back in on Mariota. I've always liked Deion Lewis. 
And I guess Henry, if I'm stuck at running back, I might even go that way. So you guys have talked me into it, Matt Harmon, Liz Loza. I am back in on the Tennessee Titans. Well, also next week they're at Indianapolis. So that's a pretty favorable matchup. If we're going to talk about Johnny Smith again, a player that did comp to Delaney Walker when he was drafted in 2017, uh, the Colts are giving up the eighth most points to oppose fantasy points, that is, to opposing tight ends. And this week they let the Jags' James O'Shaughnessy convert five of six balls for over 60 yards. Six teams on a bye next week, and Smith owned in just 1% of leagues currently. So, I and guess shouts back to Dion Lewis, who really, we all joke about the revenge game, confirmed sure, yeah. the revenge game, said after, after the game when asked about whether this was personal or not against his former team, the Patriots said, hell yeah, it's personal. That's what happens when you go cheap. You get your ass kicked. <laughs> Suck it, New England. Love, you. Love me some Deion Lewis. A lot of people are really loving Aaron Jones today, too. Nice transition. You're welcome. So this is a big headline. He uh, he managed over nine yards per carry today. Just gaudy. I mean, the kid is such a good football player. He didn't fumble. We didn't have to worry about Mike McCarthy putting him in some theoretical or literal doghouse. It's all happening. So I want to know, Scott, I'm starting with you. Aaron Jones is a top you fill in the blank back for the rest of the season. Ten. Uh, he's in the second tier of the top 10 running backs. He's obviously not a girly or, or somebody like that, but he's somebody who will start the rest of the season. Only three carries for Jamal Williams today. Aaron Jones gets 15. It helped that he ripped off a couple of big chunk plays right out of the gate, but he played on passing downs. He seemed like his stamina was good. 18 touches, you know, an Aaron Rodgers offense. All we need to do is clean up the uh, the usage here. They got rid of Montgomery after his fumble. And Williams, I don't think, I, I know he's great in pass blocking leagues, but they don't want to give him the ball. They didn't give him the ball today. So Aaron Jones, to me, is set and forget. I think Mike McCarthy's the last one on this bus, but we found a seat for him. Now we can all go forward. We can all chew Trident. Decent schedule here. By the way, Trident's my favorite gum, so I'm in on that uh, that analogy, but we don't need to discuss that. Uh, I, I like the schedule going forward. You know, they're at Seattle. They're at Minnesota. Yeah, but then they, we get Atlanta. We get Arizona. Arizona then so, at Chicago. At Chicago, then at the Jets. So a little bit of a mixed bag, up and down. I'm going to go with top 12. Uh, I did like to see him catch three passes for 27 yards on five targets because as much as we get on him about pass blocking, the real struggle with Jones has been also that he just hasn't been all that much of a plus asset as a receiver. If he can add that to his Mm -hmm. repertoire, then we're talking about a top eight, top five back. And I I just want to throw this out to you guys because I thought about this today, like, Chubb and Jones are two guys we're talking about on this podcast right now that I drafted in 0.0 leagues. However, as we sit here in week 10, I have them on a handful of leagues. Like this is something I want people to remember when we're in draft season next year, just because I'm telling you not to draft these guys and Jones and Chubb doesn't mean they suck or that they won't eventually have value. It's just that what they're worth on draft day might not be in line with what their immediate path to value is. And then these get just because you don't draft them doesn't mean you can't eventually. Make I think your way you're to them. getting towards a Scott Pianowski axiom, which is win now. So in the beginning yes. of the season, you may not have the bench available to stash for attrition season, which is right now. These guys you always end wait. up getting cut. Yeah. These guys like these delayed gratification guys. People think they're just going to stick them around on their roster and like through thick and thin. Meanwhile, we're getting questions every week. But should I drop this guy? Should I drop this? Everybody wants to make moves all the time. Nobody wants to just keep their roster static. Wait till, they can't. Because you cannot. Because you cannot. Because injuries happen. Chaos happens. Bye week happens. Like we got to 
just those guys will come eventually, whether they get cut by their team that drafts them or you can eventually buy low on them if you are so confident in the talent. Scott, anything to add? Yeah, I mean, you love buying at the bottom of the bucket. You don't like to buy at the top of it. It's the same idea with Fab. It's great when you can get in maybe a week early on somebody where you pay the price you want to pay as opposed to when things really pop and now it's obvious to everybody and then you have to pay the top of the barrel price. So the skill is learning how to navigate those middle tier prices and those bottom penny stocks. No, certainly no pun intended and not having to buy at the top of the market. Well, I want to know from our listeners which lackluster performance put their fantasy season in jeopardy. So go ahead and don't at me, bro. At Jan Brady 66, I'll never be a teenage model, said that the Brady Gronk pairing is the duo that's put their fantasy season in jeopardy. That is interesting. You know, the Patriots are going into a buy. They were befuddled by a former Patriots lineman turned coach today. Tom Brady was at least, but shout out to Mike Brabel. I'm not so worried about Brady moving forward. Are you, Scott? You're a New England fan. I mean, do you think he figures it out in the buy? Do you think that Gronk returns to spiking form? I'll handle this because for Yahoo Fantasy, I covered the Patriots. I covered Brady. And I mean Tom Brady and all of the Brady Bunch, actually. I uh, I had Marsha Brady as a breakout pick several years ago, and that's kind of how I made my Oh, I made a Marsha Brady joke, but it's Jan Brady. Oh, I didn't know. Oh, I messed up. That's the middle okay. sister. All, all Brady Bunch jokes are great. It's way over my head. Hit, <laughs> Barely by there. The way, by the way, there was a lot of football on the Brady Bunch. Marsha got hit in the face with a football. Yeah, that's uh, I true. think Joe Namath tore his Achilles on the Brady AstroTurf. That's why his career ended, you know, in such an ugly way on the Rams. And he could barely move. That was all back to the Brady Bunch. A lot of sports on the Brady Bunch and a lot of football on the Brady Bunch. I'm worried about the Patriots and I'm worried because Rob Gronkowski is the key to this offense. We talked earlier about team scheming, chunk plays, easy yards. There's nothing easy for this team. I love James White for what he is, but he's a support guy. He can't be your lead guitarist. Gronkowski is far and away the most talented skill guy. And he's also, I think, somebody who would be a Hall of Famer only as a lineman. If he was just a blocker and never went out for a pass, that's how good he is. Not healthy. Hasn't been healthy all season. He's been a wasted second or third round pick or, God forbid, a first round pick for some people. I think that Gronkowski is gone. I think he's got a ruptured relationship with the team. I don't mm-hmm. think it'd be a surprise if he retired at the end of the year, if they want him to take a pay cut. Right now, he's not healthy. Tom Brady's looking 41 years old. Gordon's been okay. Not great. Amendola, Edelman, they're the same guy to me sometimes. Edelman looks like just a guy left today's game with an injury. I don't know. The Patriots, there are a lot of offenses that make me want to jump up. I, the Chiefs are like that. The Rams are like that. The Saints are like that. New England to me. Just another team with an old quarterback, not enough difference makers at the skill positions. And their most important guy probably after Brady is Rob Gronkowski. I don't think he's right the rest of the season. I think New England limps in the playoffs, maybe 10 and 6, 11 and 5. The division still stinks. And then they lose in the first round. Ooh, I like that hot take. A much cooler take. Andy Dalton's really not very good, especially when A.J. Green isn't there to drag his production along. Bobby Reinhart, our Twitter follower um, has the duo of Andy Dalton and Joe Mixon keeping his fantasy hopes alive or burying them. Yeah, I mean, this one's pretty easy just because, as you mentioned, Andy Dalton, even in a good spot today, like I I did quarterbacks for Fearless Forecast this week. And I mentioned when I talked about him that I wasn't going to be all that jazzed up about him as a streamer because he's a guy who's proven over the course of his career that he is very much a product of the supporting cast around mm-hmm. him. And A.J. Green is a type of potential Hall of Fame difference-making player that when you remove him from the offense, 
that makes Tyler Boyd less appealing, you know, because he's then he's your lead guy doing a, a job slot, that's not his job. Yeah, right. He's supposed to be a complimentary slot receiver. Um, you've got Tyler Eifert, who is never on the field, but he's a difference maker when he's on but the that, field. I really was surprised that CJ Uzuma didn't see more. I mean, CJ's been like seeing volume and doing nothing with it, like in terms of just like routes run, air yards. I mean, he was another one for a while there. Before it was Duke Johnson, it was every fantasy analyst, myself included. I think that's Uza Meh at this point. Yeah, Uza Meh, indeed. And and then this extends down to the running back position because, I mean, you guys know my philosophy with running backs is they're the most dependent position to what's going on around them to get fantasy production. Hashtag talent doesn't matter. Hashtag running backs don't matter. They're like the electron. Yeah, exactly. So with the biggest offensive difference maker removed and therefore hampering the quarterback play, that's going to just make the running back less of a an appealing pick. And so, yeah, games like this are going to happen because, oh, by the way, the defense also stinks. But you would think that that would make Andy Dalton have to pass more. And Joe Mixon isn't just an Adrian Peterson-style power running back. I mean, he is a guy who can convert through the air and do it quite consistently, right? Like, his his catch percentage is very high. Caught 100% of his targets today because he only had two. That's a fair point. (laughs) And and he only threw 20 passes. Mixon had 85 total yards today, but they couldn't sustain offense after that early drive. Exactly. And, you know, they, they were taking sacks. The offensive line had a really poor game. I thought... Dalton's pocket awareness was terrible. You can see how much he's like Linus without the blanket, right? Mm. I mean, you take you take AJ Green off the field, and, and look, it's nice that John Rice draw scored and you know did something. It's nice that Tyler Boyd you know, emerged this year, and, but he's a slot guy. I mean, he's you know that's nice. You need some outside weapons. This offense is in trouble. Uh, I made a trade a couple of weeks ago in a Superflex league predicated with on me. Dalton having it. I mean, it that's was one with of the me. trades I made with Dalton. <laughs> I ended up you ended up trading Dalton to Brad, and somehow he ended up back on my team. He's basically been passed around. <laughs> like whatever you might pass around uh, <laughs> and um, votes, votes in Michigan are still coming in. Anyway, I'm worried. I love this schedule. This is why I don't get hung up on schedules going forward that much. I might look a few weeks ahead. I try not to get too excited. About, oh, in six weeks or four weeks, they play this team because when the personnel gets a little bit different, you can t- tumble everything down. This is the piece of Jenga, right? You take out that block that says AJ green, the whole offense falls apart. I'm afraid the Bengals are going to look like a five and 11 team the rest of the year. Speaking of Jenga pieces, Marlon Mack has been this for the Colts over the past few weeks. He's also this for Richard Perry, who tweeted this at us, but not so much in week 10. Just 29 rushing yards off of 12 carries on the ground and another nine yards through the air. What happened? It was the Eric Ebron show and the Jacksonville Jaguars still are no good. I I thought the uh, 12 carries for 29 yards is disappointing for Mac, especially because the Colts got out to an early lead, as you mentioned, via Eric Ebron, three touchdowns. I mean, there was no meltdown greater than some of the DFS players that used Jack Doyle today on Twitter, because not only do they get Eric Ebron, who, by the way, was fourth on the team in tight end, tight end snaps in their last time we saw the Colts in London. He scores three touchdowns, and then Moali Cox just throws dirt on their grave by getting another touchdown there uh, for the Colts. Th- three passing touchdowns. I mean, that's never that's going to hurt whenever you have a running back. But the Colts just didn't really possess the ball much going into the second half. You know, where they did not score a single point, and Jacksonville kind of tried to catch up. So I think just I think it's just, it's a fluke game for for Mac. I think it's still trust him going forward. I mean, I don't know that he's like a bankable running back one every single week because he's not a huge huge factor in the pass game. But I, I still I still trust Mac. Yeah, part of it was game flow. I mean, the the Jaguars had like 21 more snaps in this game, something like that. So it just felt like they had the ball. 
for the majority of the game. And for some reason, the Jaguars prioritized Mac at their detriment and they got chewed up elsewhere. Luck got almost 10 yards in attempt. I apologize to everybody who asked me an Eric Ebron question because I'm sure I told you to play oh, the other yeah, guy. I mean, I, I, underestimating Ebron's, you know, uh, ability as a runner. Here's another team, by the way, that made a home run higher. Frank Reich yes. is doing wonderful things with this offense. It's going to take a while to fix the defense. And maybe it's even taken Andrew Luck a little bit time just to get comfortable with, you know, his his body and get, playing the NFL and taking hits again and all that. But this team can score on anybody. And I, I think they have a chance maybe to sneak in the playoffs. I think they could be a monster next year. They need maybe one or two pieces on defense. But Andrew Luck, remember, they tried to hire Josh McDaniels and McDaniels backed out. So the second choice was right. They may have gotten the home run all along. Mm, unanswered prayers. Um, I have a hot take, a little bit of a hot take about this mm-hmm. offense. Next week, Marlon Mack will face the Titans. Jarrell Casey, pretty good run stopper. In fact, I think that's something that the Titans do quite well is stopping the run. Their secondary, however, a vulnerability Dontrell Inman has been sneaky over the past two weeks. Uh, Ryan Grant was back this week. Didn't matter. Didn't. And this is a guy Grant was averaging six targets a game before he got hurt. Came back. I think he just saw one target. Not a whole lot. But Dontrell Inman has converted 10 of 11 looks over his past two games. Uh, if Malcolm Butler is somewhere near him on the field, you could Ooh. have an under the radar blow up Inman game. I'm not saying it's for everybody, but this might be one of those, hey, why didn't we see that coming moments the after The only next thing week. that worries me a little bit about that is I think because Reich's such be a, a good play designer. There should be a lot that designer. worries about. There's a lot that should worry <laughs> a lot about. Than the fact first, it's first a totally mad player. <laughs> I admire your ability to go out on a limb. And look, there are people who play in 14-team and 16-team leagues who will say whenever we recommend somebody who's like 60% available, not I in can't my get league. that guy. Right. He's long gone. So Inman is available in deeper leagues and, you know, everybody's still alive. The Scott Fishbowl is real happy about this call. <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> the only thing that makes me a little bit nervous, although this is maybe could be spun as a positive for Inman, is I think Reich is one of those offensive play designers where he doesn't care necessarily about peppering one guy with targets or touches. You know, uh, T.Y. Hilton was the, the most targeted guy today with seven. Nobody had more than four after that. I think it's a wide usage tree. It's the offensive play designers, you know, kind of vanity comes into play here where a lot of people touch the ball. I'm just worried that it may be a game where other than Hilton, nobody gets four or five looks. And it's just hard. The upside is hard cap for everybody if they don't get in the end zone. I definitely agree. But there are six teams on by next week. Yep. The Bills, the Browns, the Jets, the Dolphins, the Patriots and the 49ers, which leads us to our lightning round. No, Matt Barkley. Oh, how, will I, how will I go on? <laughs> These are our pickup options. Matt, we're starting so with Jones. you. Josh Reynolds, available in 99% of Yahoo leagues. Tell me why someone should or might want to pick him up. Well, because the Rams fear or they're concerned that Cooper Cup tore his ACL Don't look good. Doesn't look good. Did not look good good. uh, when it happened. We know that Cup had a knee injury earlier in the year that he has come back from. Well, he might be gone once again. And look, I mean, this is pretty easy. It's one of the highest scoring offenses in the NFL, one of the most efficient offenses in the NFL. They play the Chiefs next week. Uh, We know that when when the Rams were without Cooper Cup before, they just slid Robert Woods into the slot receiver role, which will put – Josh Reynolds outside. The Chiefs are definitely weaker at their outside corner spots than their interior corner spots. So I think that Reynolds is a guy that you can pick up, maybe play next week. And if not, it's simply a bench option, you know, on a team that scores a lot of points. I dig it. Um, Matt, I'm going to go back to you with Lamar Jackson. Oh, baby. Yes. I'm so excited about Lamar Jackson. Much more excited than you were for Josh Reynolds. Yeah, right. Like I was like, <laughs> well, that's a guy like he scores a lot of points. So I, mean, I don't know. Who cares? Let's get to the show. 
which is the Lamar Jackson show. Of course, the obvious number one appeal of this is his rushing ability. When you run as a quarterback, that just elevates your floor and gives you access to a higher ceiling because, you know, just the way rushing points codes, are scored. Baby, yeah, exactly. Codes. The Konami code. Shout out to Rich Rebar, the originator of that term. I, it, you know, if Jackson runs for 20, 30 yards a game, which I think is completely possible if he starts. He's a guy that could, you know, be a solid streamer for you. And obviously quarterback's a deep position. So you're not, you know, punching people out of the way to go get Lamar Jackson. But there's a good chance that he is a, a solid floor play while he's out there. But there is a small percentage chance that he's a difference maker at the quarterback position for you. And you're going to get that very cheap off the waiver wire. And I think this is an offense that Joe Flacco, while he started well, was leaving a lot of meat on the bone recently, specifically when you're looking at targets to John Brown, whatever there are players on this offense that Jackson can use. And it's a, it's a staff that has two guys that are familiar with running quarterbacks. Greg Roman worked with Colin Kaepernick way, way back in the day. He worked with Tyrod Taylor in Buffalo and we have Marty Morningweg, who was around for Michael Vick's best years in Philadelphia. So, look, there's a, there's a chance that Jackson doesn't even get the start with Joe Flacco potentially out for week 11. They might just turn to RG3. But I'm hoping that they see that the future is now and they use the kid against a, a team in Cincinnati who, I mean, we saw They're what they did today. They're not going to start RG3. RG3 has, had, has been on the Let's field for 0% of the team snaps. There are rumors that John Harbaugh's job is in jeopardy. They've dropped their past three games in a row. The rest of the season's schedule down the stretch is money for this squad if there is uh, a quarterback with a high ceiling. Cincinnati, Oakland, Atlanta, Kansas City, Tampa Bay. You can't, you can't draw it up any, oh. any better than that. My goodness. Remember, Tim Tebow was a horrible passing quarterback, but because he could run and ran aggressively, he was a really effective fantasy starter. He got inside the quarterback one cut line during his best days. So if Jackson can throw the ball effectively, that's like that's the icing. The cake is going to be how much he runs. Yeah, for sure. I'm excited about it. I have thoughts about Rashad Penny. Do you? You guys want to hear them? Yeah. Uh, You've been chomping at the bit to get your (laughs) Rashad Penny take out. You just wanted to get the change out. Um, well, Penny for your thoughts. <laughs> I got about a dollar's worth. Um, he's currently rostered in 13% of leagues. Already crushing it, Loza. Here's the piece of it that I like if we're looking at week 11. It's a short week. Mm. What is the position that normally does the best on short weeks? The running back position. Defenses are gassed. It's an easier position. Rashad Penny, the least dinged, if you don't count his finger, at least his legs are the freshest. Even if Chris Carson comes back, again, it's a short week, so we don't know what's going to happen. But the hip has hampered him. Mike Davis did score today. However, he was looked at on the sideline, so he's not 100% healthy. I'm looking at the first-round draft pick. I am looking at upside. I'm looking at ceiling, and I feel like, you know what, this is a tough position. Again, six teams on by. If you can talk about Lamar Jackson and you can hope, then I can talk about I can talk about Penny and hope as well. I'm sold. Pete Carroll loves competition, and remember, Penny has inspired the Twitterverse so much that people are actually getting Penny tattoos. Oh, this is an excellent right? point. I mean, this this guy has there's a revolution underfoot in Seattle, and again, Pete, Pete Carroll loves competition. He doesn't care who the starter was two weeks ago. He just cares who's playing well now. We can ride with that. It can sometimes be a hard pattern to decipher, but. In all my leagues, even my good teams, I need running back depth. I would certainly grab Penny if I could. I, I'm kicking myself for not being more proactive doing it today. I picked him up in one league and I missed him in another league. Do you have any Dante Moncrief? I wish, man, I wish I had him today. You know, you talk about revenge games. Dante Moncrief taking revenge on the Colts with a touchdown and the guitar jam after it. 228 yards 
and a touchdown in the last three weeks. And, you know, this is some games he'll get peppered with targets. He had a 15 target game against Kansas City, a 10 target game against Houston. He's done well in the um, air yards model of Josh Hermsmeyer as a buy low, even though maybe the production hasn't been there. I know it's hard to get invested in this Jacksonville passing game and in Blake Bortles, but the defense isn't as good as we thought. And they're playing some offenses like Pittsburgh next week, like Indianapolis in a few weeks. They're going to put up points. The one receiver I believe in the most in Jacksonville, I can't believe I'm saying it, 10% owned in Yahoo is Dante Moncrief. Do you believe in Maurice Harris in Washington? If you can believe in anything in Washington, you know, I mean, Alex Smith, the the most vanilla of quarterback. He's not even vanilla bean. He's just vanilla. But uh, Maurice Harris <laughs> has 15 catches on 17 targets the last two weeks. Jameson Crowder can't get healthy. I know it's Doxon getting the touchdowns, but I feel like Harris is the guy that Smith has established a rapport with and is maybe the best bet for targets. Don't know if Crowder's coming back anytime soon. The, the, it's funny, the Redskins have a really strange stat where they have never – a lead has never changed in any of their games. I mm-hmm. think it was Nick Mencio of Roto World who pointed this out. They've either had the lead and kept it or fallen behind and not caught up. So it just shows you what a strange team this is. But, you know, PPR, you're looking for a wide receiver three. You're hoping for maybe 10 to 15 points. That's where Harris fits in. I, I wouldn't be excited to play him. But, you know, with six teams on by and then some good teams on by, you may be forced into it. If I had to play anybody in this passing offense, because Doxon's widely available too. I think the volume, as long as Crowder is out, is going to side with Harris. Well, James Crowder may not be back next week, but we will be. And we are more excited about returning than Scott is about Maurice Harris. So please spread the word on social, subscribe, review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Go submit your questions to at Yahoo Fantasy. There's someone that I'm sitting across from who actually mans that handle. So if you also want to follow at Matt Harmon underscore BYB, then, hey, you might get... Good uh, luck. <laughs> you might get an extra look. Also, that's Scott underscore Pianowski. I'm Liz Loza underscore FF. Be sure to check in next week, though, because me and Matt will be on the ground in New Orleans as Fantasy Football Live is on the road for the Saints and Eagles game. It is going to be a raucous good time don't at me about my under eyes on sunday morning they i promise to need more concealer and and if brad if brad evans calls you on sunday night take the phone call he needs your help (laughs) on that note we out 